from the spring blooming studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, it is time for another tulip happy episode of Chemical Free Horticultural Hijinks. You bet your garden. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. Are you unsure how to care for your tulips and other spring bulbs as their flowers begin to fade? On today's show, we'll travel from New Haven to a subtropical island to try and cover all the spring bulb bases. Otherwise, it's a fabulous phone call show, cats and kittens, that's right. Potential guests are busy putting away their pruners. So we will take that heap and helping of your telecommunicated questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and galvanizingly gargling glorifications. So keep your eyes and or ears right here, true believers, because it's all coming up faster than your bulbs looking bodacious year after year right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden comes from Coast of Maine, creating organically approved gardening soils and plant foods for over 25 years. Part of Coast of Maine's mission is to be the most trusted partner to professionals and homeowners who believe that authentic, natural, and organic garden and lawn products play a critical role in the health of our communities and the living planet we share. Learn more at coastofmaine.com. Welcome to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden. From the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, I am your host, Mike McGrath. And depending on where you live, you might have spring bulbs that are still blooming or and or ones that are starting to fade. Don't touch them until we get to the question of the week and tell you what to do. In the meantime, lots of your fabulous phone calls, 888-492-9444. Jean, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being had, Jean. How you doing? Doing just fine, even though it's a little bit on the rainy side. A uh, little bit of rain falls into everybody's life, right? They say the rain makes you beautiful. Oh, isn't that sweet? Yeah. So where is Jean? Harleysville, Pennsylvania, on the northeast corridor of the um, Turnpike. I know Harleysville very well. Um, they have a great uh, uh, Labor Day or Memorial Day. Uh, they have a great parade and fireworks and a carnival. It's uh, really, they put on quite a show. Yep, and it's supported by the Rotary and other civilian organizations, so mm -hmm. to speak. Very good. I can still remember Uncle Sam on stilts walking down the, the street in front of a house I knew there. All right, what can we do for Jean in Harleysville? Okay, so I have two house plants, a poinsettia and a Christmas cactus. Okay. Both in the past 10 days began to develop what I would term a sphere, a little ball mm -hmm. uh, in the poinsettia. It was just under a quarter of an inch. Right. In the Christmas cactus, it was um, probably an eighth of an inch. And um, then we were wondering, my grandkids and I, and with that... Um, the grandkids each took a sphere um, 
and squished it. <laughs> right. And, what- and I thought, okay. And then the um, soil produced uh, where I had, and, and I scooped out subsequently, I scooped out the soil where the sphere, particularly in the cactus, had been, and uh, took it outside, trashed it, whatever. And within a day or so, I um, could see actually there was um, like some kind of mold growing where the um, sphere had been. Right. So we're talking... some sort of mushroom or other fungal organism. I think so. And then within a day, where the um, right next to the spooned out area of the plant, another sphere was back, about the same size, under a quarter, just under a quarter of an inch. Mm-hmm. And so I took that outside wearing a plastic glove, et cetera, mm-hmm. and I squished it. You squished it. And I could see the fluid coming out. Mm-hmm. I could see the shell of the sphere, and I'm thinking this may have been some kind of spore, but I have no idea. Well, it's, it's funny uh, because a, a, a perfect sphere... Uh, leads me to think of truffles, believe it or not, which are a type of mushroom that grows like just on top of the soil, just below the soil. Obviously, truffles are black, much bigger than that. But uh, did you pot these plants up yourself? Yes. And And the poinsettia, in fact, is in a pot that is simply... A plastic bucket with holes in the bottom, uh-huh. but with soil that mm. comes from the local hardware store. Okay, so you bagged potting soil. Mm-hmm. Yes. But um, it's it's in a bucket with poor drainage. That's what's going on. The soil is is being too moist. So I would back up on the watering, uh, no matter what kind of fungal organism this is. It needs a lot of moisture, moisture to survive. And we're only about a month away from you taking them outside anyway, right? Yep. So when you do, yep. that, when you do that, make sure they're in full sun. Because if you withhold some uh, water and let the top of the soil especially dry out, and they're exposed to full sun, uh, that should get rid of uh, your little mushrooms. And I doubt that they would come back. Uh, but always, if you have to make a choice, always underwater rather than overwater houseplants. Because don't forget, in the wintertime, uh, they're not really growing much. They're not using a lot of moisture. And uh, moisture does breed uh, mushrooms. It sounds really cool. Um. What concern do I need to have that if I take the, particularly the poinsettia, because in the past I've done that and it has grown magnificently, but what concern do I need to have that the mushroom spore, if that's what this is indeed, 
would um, in the summertime before um, the sun really is able to dry out everything, that that would then uh, begin to grow in my neighbor's um, garden because we live in a townhome community. Yeah, I doubt it. Um, you know, when you take it out, um, again, uh, stop, stop watering them now. And when you take it out, make sure the containers feel really light and put them in sun. And if another one starts coming up, I would suggest you um, you repot them and bury the old soil or, or toss it away or something like that. But uh, it, most of these um, nuisance molds, nuisance fungus are harmless. They just, uh, you know, they live here too. So they just pop up whenever the setting is correct. And what they're looking for is is shade and kind of coolness and really moist soil. So if, if things continue like this, just replace the soil and that'll end it. But I also recommend you get a real pot um, for that plant that's in a bucket. And would it make any difference that the soil only extends, uh, for the points that are only extends up to about an inch plus, maybe two inches below the surface, below the top of the, the rim of the pot, the well, bucket? It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep it a little more moist because it's not exposed uh, to direct airflow. And the fact that the soil that is in there is starting to come away from the sides of the bucket, that does not mean that the soil is dried up and that I should water it more. It no, no, you don't want to, you don't want to water more. Um, without seeing it, it's really hard to tell. But it sounds to me like sure. this is a good time uh, to repot both plants in nice, fresh soil and let them have fun outside. When do I put them outside in when, another month, mid -day? Yes, exactly right. When uh, nighttime temperatures are reliably in the 50s. Good. Okay. okay. I appreciate that insight. Thank you very much. And I hope your garden continues to be healthy. Oh, thank you so much. Good luck to you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Take care. Number to call, 888-492-9444. Shane, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. How are you? 
I am just ducky. Thanks for asking, Shane. <laughs> um, and I'll dispense with the cowboy jokes. You've heard them all your life. So uh, how are you doing and where are you? I'm doing well and I'm in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Oh, now, now there's a strict rule for this show. If you say you're in Philly, we got to get a neighborhood. Passyunk Square. Oh, in South Philly. That's right. Yeah, uh, that's a real hip section of South Philly, right on Passyunk itself. Which that's right, yep. Which, thank God, I'm out of Catholic school and I don't have to try to spell anymore. Schuylkill, <laughs> Passyunk, come on. Do you want to give me a 60? Jeez. All right. <laughs> what can we do for Shane in a very great area? I love that strip there of South Philly. Yeah, so I've got a row house with a small concrete pad in the back, mm -hmm. and there's a hole punched in it, and we planted a plum tree about eight or nine years ago there. Very good. And and it has, um, I called them suckers, but you corrected me that it's uh, water sprouts. Oh, okay. We had a little and bit I, of an email exchange where you were worried about right. so-called suckers, which come up from the ground. But based on how you phrased it, I was wondering if they weren't water sprouts, which are kind of useless branches that point straight up towards the sky. Yes. So I've got several hundred of those that grow oh, out of the top of the tree every year. Mm -hmm. And I find myself pruning them two or three times a year. And I'm wondering if there's a, a specific time that I could get them so they don't come back and I only have to do it once a year. Um, how close is your tree to flowering? Uh, it just started flowering this weekend. And do your water sprouts typically produce any kind of flowers? Uh, not many, but some. Yeah, because they're not good for fruit. Well, I would say now is the time to start. And if you okay. want, if you want to do something else and open up the the plant a little bit, or there's a branch that is getting in your way, now is the time because everything you prune, you can put in a vase and bring inside, which is something that more people with fruit trees should do because you see how glorious the blossoms are, and this is you know free cut flowers. Uh, for the next couple of weeks. But I would say start now. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, how t that's why I get the big money. How tall is this tree? <laughs> uh, it's about maybe 10 to 12 feet tall. Okay, so you can get up there using a ladder without breaking your pumpkin head open on the sidewalk. <laughs> yes, I can. Okay, good. Well, I would um, I would get started now and just do a little bit you know, when it's nice outside, you know, maybe two, three days apart, maybe a week apart. Uh, but that way you'll enjoy the work. And even the water sprout should produce some flowers inside. And again, if you have other pruning to do, this is a great time. Um, because again, you bring those flowers inside and it's just magical. When I used to grow um, peach trees before I knew that was a foolish thing for me to do, I used to prune the heck out of them, and every room in the house had a vase full of these incredible blossoms <laughs> that you can't buy in in a florist or a grocery store or anything. They're just yours. That's great. Yeah, that's a great idea. Thank you. Same thing with flowering cherries right now, apples, crab apples. When those flowers first appear, that's really the time to go for it. And the tree, that's probably the best time for the tree as well. 
All right, man. Thank you very much. All right. Well, enjoy the tree. Enjoy Passyunk Avenue. And uh, I'm sorry, for me, it's not Pat's or Gino's, but I'll meet you at uh, on South Street for Jim's for a real cheesesteak. Uh, <laughs> you're talking my language. All right, man. Good luck to you, sir. Excellent. Thank you. Bye-bye. it's time for me to take a little break and remind everybody out there not to jump the gun just because you might be having a series of super early warm nights. Do not plant summer crops like tomatoes and peppers until you get close to your average last frost date and nights are predicted to be in the 50s or above for the next 10 nights. But don't go checking your extended forecast just yet, because we'll be right back with more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to another spring-blooming episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath. Later on, we'll get to the question of the week where we will discuss how to deal with your spring bulbs to get them to re-bloom reliably next year, whether you live in Japan or Connecticut or somewhere in between. In between that, more of your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Justin, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. Thanks for um, taking my cry for help. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for making that cry for help. <laughs> Where are you, man? Uh, I'm calling from uh, beautiful State College, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Boy, we sure have a lot of listeners. Um, I can't say down there. It's kind of just directly sideways from us. Um, <laughs> But we're yeah in in the middle of the state. Yeah, we're happy to have you. All right, what can we do for Justin at Penn State? Sure. Um, well, I wanted to get in touch with you because um, I've been having an issue with uh, fungus gnats. Mm -hmm. um, so I I like to um, put my plants up, my indoor house plants outside for the summer, generally on a, a side porch um, or outside in the landscape. Mm -hmm. And I found the past couple years, um, when I bring them inside, I am absolutely mobbed by uh, gnats. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I've determined that they're gnats rather than fruit flies because they have absolutely no interest in a sliced banana or any of the fruit fly traps that I've tried. Um, oh, and excellent. they generally hang out around uh, damp areas and uh, the, the potted plants themselves. Okay. All right. Well, these fungus gnats are naturally occurring outside. It's not like you got a bad bag of potting soil or anything like that. So there are a couple of ways to prevent this. Even though they're fungus gnats, um, I would still insist that before you bring your house plants back in for the winter, that you spray them down with sharp streams of water. It can't hurt. And who knows, you might have hitchhiking aphids on there as well. Then what I would, okay. what I would like you to do, the life cycle of the fungus gnat is it lays its eggs in the house plant soil. The eggs turn into these really ugly, slimy little worm-like things. Those eat fungus down in the soil. And then when they metamorphosize, they come out as the flying creatures and the cycle repeats itself. So uh, the, the best scientific way to take care of these things is to water your plants with BTI. Uh, which is Bacillus thuringiensis israeliensis. It is a strain of Bt. It's not the Bt that's used to organically kill caterpillars. This is a Bt that is used uh, to make Bti traps in the spring. Uh, Female mosquitoes, which are in the same family, will lay their eggs in standing water. So you treat the standing water with Bti, and no living mosquitoes, adults, um, can emerge from that water. It's a great way to knock down the mosquito population in, um, in, in your landscape. So the same thing is kind of true with uh, moist houseplant soil. You water in the BTI, naturally occurring uh, soil bacillus uh, harms nothing other than things like fungus gnats and mosquitoes. And what happens is it prevents those fungus gnat larvae, 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 um, from developing in that soil. So theoretically, no flying adults come out and you knock it down very quickly. There's also an old trick that goes back to before a BTI was around, and that is to put two inches of sand on top of your houseplant soil um, because it's really difficult for the new adults to fight their way through that layer of sand. You also want to water less than more. You want to make sure your plants really dry out in between waterings. And as you probably know, uh, they love to throw themselves onto yellow sticky traps. And finally, Um, they will drown themselves very happily in little containers of red wine and sometimes vinegar. It depends on exactly what you have there. Um, But I always leave the last gulp of red wine and pour it out if I have that problem. The next day, the the little canister can be filled with the things. Uh, Same thing with vinegar. Um, A close associate of fungus gnats is the vinegar fly and they will just immerse themselves in vinegar and die. 
So there you got what? 18 things. You got BTI. You got sand. <laughs> you got underwatering. You got yellow sticky traps. You've got red wine. You've got um, vinegar. By the way, if you're, if you're drinking those, do not confuse the two. <laughs> well, I'm glad I called because I tried almost all of those things, but not, not all of them correctly. Um, so I did purchase BTI granules right. that said that they were specifically uh, meant for uh, mosquitoes and fungus gnats, right. specifically say fungus gnats, but they were kind of like a like a nugget. I mean, like mm-hmm. a, like as big as a small piece of gravel. Right. Um, and I tried mixing those into the soil, um, but I don't. Obviously, I think they're probably too large to break down or really um, do much to help. Right. What you want to do um, is pour a number of granules into like a quarter of water, or a quart of water, um, stir it well, and then when they've mostly gone into solution, use that to water your plants. Okay, okay. And I tried the sand trick, but that, um, I also didn't do two inches. I did, you know, like maybe half an inch or an inch. And so when I'd go to water, the sand would just kind of, you know, wash away. It wasn't really doing a very good job. Right. Um, you might want to water from underneath, if um, your plants and your pots allow that. Um, And if you have a choice, if you're buying fresh, use sharp sand, um, which is a great way Mm, to lighten up soil in houseplants. It it also um, harms them, the little flies, as they try to come out. Right, okay. Yeah, and then the the vinegar, um, I tried apple cider vinegar. That didn't really seem to work. Um, so glad to hear about the, the red wine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll stay away from uh, rosé and, and white wine. Well, as, so as, as we all should. Preference. I mean, come on, let's face it. White wine <laughs> is like for when you're sick. It's like tea and toast. You know? Well, I was just hoping I could get one of those big boxes of Franzia and just, you know, pop the top off. Oh, uh, they have uh, they have fairly decent um, red wines in boxes, but you want to fill... Oh, something the size of a sake cup or um, a very small bowl or, you know, a a lid, a jar lid. That's the size we're looking at. And you want to keep it fresh because after 24 hours, they're not interested anymore. Okay, that's great. Okay, thank you. All right, good luck to you, sir. pretty helpful. Yeah. All right. All right, thanks very much. Barbara, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you, Mike. So happy to talk to you. I'm so happy to talk to you, Barb. How are you doing? Great. Great. And you? I am just ducky. Ducky. Thanks for asking. <laughs> and uh, where is Barbara Great? In Rhode Island on the west shore of Narragansett Bay. Ooh, I've been there. That's very nice. It is. Well, and it's blowing, blowing, blowing today. Lots of whitecaps. We've had a lot of wind lately, and I would worry yeah. about desiccation of plants, but we've had rain in between. So um, if this had been a dry spell... Well, we have not had much rain. Uh, you might want to actually consider watering, um, because sustained uh-huh. high winds will actually blow the moisture out of some plants. So if you've, yeah. got, if yeah. you've got spring bloomers in bloom, you might want to give them a little watering at their base. But that's not what you called about, is it? No, that's not. So I called you about uh, the result of this coronavirus pandemic. Right. And the fact that grocery stores here in Rhode Island 
do not allow us to bring in our own grocery bags. Right. You know, the cloth kind or whatever. And so each time I go to the grocery store, I bring home four, five, two, three brown paper bags, and I have closets full of them. Mm-hmm. And I just it just occurred to me that why could I use those as a weed blocker, as a mulch in my, let's say, my blueberry pen? Um, well, let's not talk specific plants right away. Okay. But um, right. I am so happy that you have the paper bag alternative. When yeah. I was growing up in Philadelphia, folding those bags after you unloaded the groceries was a skill mm-hmm. that every young man had to learn. You had to fold them <laughs> perfectly so you could stack them up. Yes. And then what we That's did right. with them, um, <laughs> we used them in the trash cans where there wasn't going to be any wet trash. And mm-hmm. then we also, um, oh yeah, we would uh, put our newspapers into them, stuff them full of newspapers and put them out for recycling. Mm-hmm. So they are very good about that. I would say that as a weed block, a couple of paper bags stacked on top of each other would be perfect as you're building a new raised uh-huh. bed. If you want to use it around plants, you would have to cover it with soil or compost. Yeah. But I think it would be a very effective weed block, but you got to be careful now because if it is making a somewhat impenetrable barrier for the first year, you want to make sure that you have the ability to water your plants. And especially Mm -hmm. with blueberries that you mentioned, you want to make sure that you can load them up with peat moss or sulfur if your pH begins to climb up. Uh, towards neutral. You obviously want to keep your blueberries in the lowest possible pH to keep them happy and healthy. Right. Would I have to, I mean, I, I assume that they're not treated. So Correct. Would I, would no, no, there's some, of the, to put... there's some of the cleanest stuff on the planet, regular brown paper bags. Yeah. Matter of fact, they're probably almost 100% recycled from cardboard. Yeah, okay. Uh, to wet them down... Put, uh, put, put some holes in them? Was that necessary? If you put holes if, in them, the them weeds down? are going to come up through the holes. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> no, right. just... Right, you are. I'm, go- I'm going to just pick a number out of the air and say keep them six inches or so away um, from the uh-huh. area of the actual plants so that the plants get rainfall. And especially yeah. with uh, blueberries, if you need to amend the soil with peat moss or sulfur to keep it nice and acid, that you can get acid. in there. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, yeah. uh, it, would, it would be great. You know, clean up the weeds you can before you put it down. And then for any weeds that come up between the plants, I don't know if you've ever seen a weeding tool called the um, winged weeder. The, the head of this uh, wonderful hoe has a diamond shape. And they come in oh, all... Oh, yes, I have. Yes. And they come with long handles, very short handles, and different mm-hmm. size heads. Um, the smallest mm-hmm. headed um, version is just yeah. excellent for getting in between plants without damaging the plants. It's really tiny. Uh, but it's really sharp, 
And so I, I have a whole bunch of them and I use them all the time. And if you're leaving an area open for watering and safety and amendments mm -hmm. and stuff, um, these diamond shaped um, weed hose are absolutely the best, the winged weeders. Well, I'm really gonna need it because my blueberry pen is full of weeds and I have to get out there pretty soon. Well, before and you put before you put the um, the bags down, I would use a regular yeah. winged weeder or some other specialty hoe to really clean the area, lay the bags down, up. and then have one of those little mm -hmm. guys ready uh, for the future. Yeah, okay. but it's a great, it, great it is a great use for the bags. Yeah, okay. Fantastic. I mostly I, I mostly that. cut eye holes in mine and wear them around the house, but that's just a personal decision. <laughs> yeah. No, no. <laughs> well, that's excellent. I'm really glad to hear that because I am a, I'm a real recycler, and we're not allowed to put our newspapers into paper bags. We just have these great big bins that we put out, and the, and the town picks them up and, for recycling. But uh, brown paper bags are essentially the same I as... I know. You can put the brown paper bags in the, in the bins, but they don't want the papers, the newspapers in the brown paper bags. I don't know why. Ah, some people have too much time on their hands. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for your call. You've been great. Sorry right. you didn't thanks, win more Mike. money. You bet your garden. Yeah, me too. But I got your advice, and that's worth its weight in gold. Okay. Whoa. Then I shouldn't lose any weight, right? You're going to split it with me? <laughs> that's right. Garcon, Thank two you, more cheesesteaks. <laughs> All right. You take care. Bye-bye. You too. Thanks. Hi, this is Mike McGrath, host of You Bet Your Garden, which you're listening to right now. I want to tell you, uh, it's getting down to the end of our little Lucky Duck promotion. If you are listening on your local radio station, I want you to support them. But if you are listening to our podcast or online or any place else, you can support the show and get your own little lucky ducky as a thank you gift when you become a member of WLVR for 60 bucks a year. You'll be supporting our station, my show, public radio in general, and all things decent and good in America. So just go to the website, youbetyourgarden.org for all the lucky duck details. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and remind everybody who wants to repair or replace a cool season lawn like fescue or bluegrass that the only sure way to success in the spring is to lay down sod. Otherwise, you really need to wait until mid-August to spread seed successfully. But don't go blaming me for telling you the truth just yet because we'll be right back with spring bulb advice and more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA.
Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to another spring blooming episode of You Bet Your Garden. From the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, I am your host, Mike McGrath, and we're in the stretch now, cats and kittens. Just a little bit, we'll get to some important information about taking care of your spring bulbs, no matter where on the world you live. In the meantime, a couple more of your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. That's, that's four fours in there, but they're not in a row, ladies and gentlemen. That's four fours, two nines, a deuce, and three eights. Okay? Happy to make that clear. Aaron, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, first time uh, calling on to the show, and I'm glad you took my call. Well, I'm glad you made it, sir. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, yeah. That's a sunny day here in uh, Ben Salem, PA. Okay. Uh, ben looking Salem, out the window and seeing ben, the trees. Ben Salem, PA. Bit. Is that the home of the Sesame Street Park? I'm not sure on that one, actually. Yeah? Okay. Well, maybe you're just not that observant, yeah. Aaron. All right. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> so you're in Ben Salem, which is uh, the lower part of Pennsylvania on I-95 heading to Joyce. Uh, what can we do you for? Oh, I was uh, giving some thought to installing a raised bed garden Good. Uh, at some point in the near future. Mm -hmm. And I came across a version of a raised bed online called a sub-irrigated raised bed. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you've heard of this particular form of raised bed and what your thoughts are on it. Oh, man, it's really complicated, isn't it? you got to construct all these different layers, uh, some of which hold the moisture and some of which let it go so your plants don't drown. And it's not like it, it's hooked up to a hose or anything, right? There's a, there's a pipe that goes down from the outside world into the sub-irrigated section that you pour water down. Am I correct? Yeah, uh, you uh, start with a layer of cardboard on the bottom, just like a normal raised bed. Mm -hmm. Then you have what, what amounts to a water tank that you can fill with water through that pipe. Mm -hmm. Then there's a layer of peat moss, a uh, liner, and then your actual garden soil on top. Okay. So you have the raised bed up higher, so it's a little more like tabletop gardening. Right. And supposedly it keeps things uh, well watered for you, uh, so you're not watering as often, and it doesn't lose as much water in climates that are drier or warmer. That's exactly but, what I was thinking, is this would be more practical in, say, the Oklahoma City area, or areas around Phoenix or in Colorado where water is really scarce. And the benefit here I can see is the water in the tank would not evaporate. It would only be pulled up 
through the roots of your plants. So in those kind of climates, I would think this was worth it. But let's be honest, you're in Pennsylvania. I mean, maybe you're an hour, an hour and a half away from where I am up in the mountains. But last year, I may have watered once the entire year because we, we had a fairly wet year. And uh, typically, we have fairly wet years. And water is not scarce here like it is in the West. So, you know, if you want to do it, if you're that kind of a, uh, a workbench guy, a practical mechanics guy, and you want to go through all this, I, I would say go ahead. But I honestly don't see the point because right where we are, water is not the question. A drainage is much more important in our region because we tend to get all the water we need plus. And I don't need to tell you what's been happening lately um, as we enter spring. I mean, we've been soaked over and over again. And I would worry about the plants being overwatered. Yeah, the creek outside my apartment building right now, uh, half the time the water's flowing the wrong way. So <laughs> I know what you mean on that. Yeah. Hey, um, if you have, and, and by the way, where are you from originally? Uh, Ladysmith, Wisconsin. Okay, because I got to tell you, it's called a crick. It's not a creek in Pennsylvania. It's a crick, okay? And if you've got a crick outside, you know, when there's water flowing through that, you could put a submersible pump in there and water your garden for free. So, I mean, and I'm, I'm sorry to our friends in Colorado and, and uh, you know, Southern California who are cursing me right now. But I would say just, just build a regular raised bed and water it normally. Uh, I think you will not spend one-tenth the time watering that you would spend uh, building this thing. Fair enough. But that's good information for our about... friends in other climates, however. It's very good of you to bring this up. Well, wouldn't it uh, uh, result in having plants that always have the roots wet, uh, which wouldn't be the best way to go, though? Okay, so now we're that's, into another area. Yes, um, it is bad for plants not to be able to dry out. Well, then, even though I'm not a fan of hydroponics, how does that work for them? Because their roots never dry out. So in our climate or Seattle or another area with more than adequate rain, I would say that that could be a real problem because the moisture in the atmosphere would be affecting them as well. But it could be a godsend for people who have to pay a fortune for water, and, and sometimes the water just isn't around because, again, that tank is going to prevent uh, evaporation, so whatever they put in, they're going to be able to keep. Okay? Okay. All right, Aaron. Thank you, man. You're welcome. Thank you for taking my call. Well, thank you for making it. Bye-bye. As always, it is now time for the question of the week, which we're calling now is the time to care for your spring bulbs correctly. Ah, uh, but before we get to our first question, I have to do a shout out to our number one fan, Walter Anderson, who turns 97 right around the date of this show and who has never missed an episode unless he falls asleep during it. Back to spring bulbs. 
Michael in Northern Virginia, near Washington, writes, can I divide my spring bulbs? Is after the blooms have faded the best time? Thanks, and stay safe from the evil squirrels. I wish evil is too nice a word. They're already planting black walnuts. They must have been saving all winter long in my container-grown lettuces. The little long-tailed servants of Satan. Anyway, I've never even thought about dividing my spring bulbs. I just let them grow. And I really like the way they look in clumps, especially with crocus. But if divide you wish, do not do so right after the flowers fade. Instead, clip off any seed heads that form in their place and then be patient. You have to wait until the green leaves have turned yellow or brown, which is the signal that they have grown next year's flower inside the bulb. Dig them up prematurely and you won't get any flowers next spring. After those leaves have browned over, you can then gently remove them and replant the bulbs immediately if the area is going to be kept dry over the summer and you're not going to plant anything in their place. If you will be planting and or watering, store the bulbs inside for replanting in the fall. Rub off any dirt that rubs off easily, but do not wash them. I would also not cut the leaves off of bulbs going into storage. Even brown, those leaves will naturally help keep moisture in the bulb. Then wrap them in newspaper or surround them with slightly moist, 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 no, no mice, no mice. Then wrap them in newspaper or surround them with slightly moist peat moss and store them in a mouse-proof container until Halloween. After trick-or-treat time is over, take the bulbs out of storage and examine them carefully discarding any that feel soft or show signs of rot. Then plant them in their new location between Halloween and Thanksgiving. Don't feed them now. Remember, that next flower is already formed inside. If you want to feed spring bulbs, the time to do so is right after the flowers fade in the spring to make sure that new flower gets all the sun and nutrition it needs. Now, big, full-sized bulbs can just go in the ground. If the bulb has formed little bulblets that grow alongside the main bulb, gently remove them and plant them elsewhere. They'll flower in a couple of years, depending on their size. Remember to also let their green leaves turn brown naturally. That's the cardinal rule of successful bulb growing. We move on to Arabella in, I hope this sounds correct, the Kyushu prefecture of Japan. She writes, last summer I bought tulips, refrigerated them for a few months, planted them in the fall, and now they are blooming. I have read your wonderful explanation of how you have tulips that are teenagers. I will follow those instructions. But if instead I put the tulip bulbs into paper bags and put them into the refrigerator again, Will they propagate or do they propagate during the time when their leaves are still green to produce the next year's flowers? Well, Kyushu is the southernmost of the four main islands that make up Japan. The name means nine provinces and it's home to 14 million people on 14,000 square miles. So we don't know exactly where Arabella is, 
but the entire island is identified as being subtropical, very different than the blazing hot in the summer and freezing cold in the winter climate in which tulips and other spring bulbs originated. In addition, my perhaps overly nerdy research revealed that this island gets 63 inches of rain a year, which is substantial. All this adds up to Arabella doing exactly the right thing. It may not get cold enough in the winter to successfully chill bulbs in the ground, and all that rain would probably rot most of the bulbs. So like we've been saying, wait until the leaves lose their green color in the spring and dig them up. And then just like in warm climates like the American South, chilling is a good idea. Arabella has apparently had success with planting her chilled bulbs in the fall, but I'm gonna suggest an alternative. Store the freshly harvested bulbs that we have described for a couple of months, then chill them for at least 16 weeks and plant them outside in January. Oh, and for the record, the red tulips off to the side of my raised beds are middle-aged, not teenagers. They were here when we moved in 35 years ago. And finally, Kate in New Haven writes, I was hoping I could plant bulbs in my raised bed in a community garden, but the catalog I was going to order them from advises against raised beds in outdoor containers for bulbs. The stated reasons are poor drainage, not a problem in my case, and temperature fluctuations, which may be a problem in my case. Well, stuff and nonsense. Container planting is much more complicated and depends on the size and structure of the container and your climate. But there is no reason to denigrate raised beds, which always drain better than flat ground, and the quote, temperature fluctuations in New Haven are perfect for keeping spring bulbs happy and productive. Just to be clear, for at least once this year, right? Flat earth is also fine for bulbs. Some of mine are planted in raised beds while others are growing or have colonized flat ground and all do well. Well, that sure was some interesting information about spring bulbs, now wasn't it? Luckily for you, the question of the week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. To read it over at your leisure or your leisure, just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be youbetyourgarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden question of the week, and you will always find the latest question of the week at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to cut my green leaves if I don't get out of this studio. We must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at our brand new phone number, 888-492-9444. Or send us your email, your tired, your poor, your wretched refuse, teeming towards our garden shore at YBYG at WLVT.org. Please include your location and don't say you're in the yard or the kitchen or anywhere else like that. Okay, we need to know where you live. You'll find all of this contact information at our website, youbetyourgarden.org, where you'll also find the answers to hundreds of your garden questions. Audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of old shows, and our internationally renowned podcast. 
You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly by Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created by Rod Serling and is hereby submitted for your approval. Ken Queter plays our theme music. Our chief content officer is Joni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airways is Christine Dempsey. Our sound engineer is Long Island's finest, Charlie Sierra. Unless there's another Charlie Sierra from Long Island, and then we'd have to check that out. Our social media director is Amanda Norfleet. Check out her fine work at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. Tavia Minnick is our peerless princess of profound production. The always lovely Jonas Bowen is our audio editor. Judicious Jake Boyer does the video. Our directorial director of direction is the harassed and harried Javier Diaz. Andy Cummins continues to take our temperature at the door. Zach the Tack whose day job is playing a zombie on whatever Living Dead TV show is in fashion at the moment, is in the house, ably assisted by the usual gang of idiots, including Eric Werner, Jacob Morris, Jeff Frederick, and many more, too expensive to mention. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, our beloved CEO, and not our executive producer, Tim Fallon, has still not been physically seen anywhere near the building, leading to the rumor that he is attending Zoom meetings as a hologram, which would explain why he is suddenly on time for those meetings. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and I just don't show up the meetings, but I will be back to see you again next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Support for You Bet Your Garden comes from Coast of Maine, creating organically approved gardening soils and plant foods for over 25 years. Part of Coast of Maine's mission is to be the most trusted partner to professionals and homeowners who believe that authentic, natural, and organic garden and lawn products play a critical role in the health of our communities and the living planet we share. Learn more at coastofmaine.com.